Hola a todos y bienvenidos a Por Favor Miren Esto. Soy Sam y aquí está mi amigo Hugh. Esta semana vimos la película Crono Crimenes. Hugh, ¿estás bien? Bien. Uh, hola. Uh, ¿Cómo está? What's going on here? Shall we do that for our non-Spanish listeners? Oh, uh, well, I do... do we have any? Do we have any Spanish listeners? <laughs> oh, true, yeah. Do we have any listeners? Um, hello, everybody. Welcome to Please Watch This. It's a film podcast where two film movie mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to each other so they can once for all answer the question, who has better taste? Um, and, and I'm Sam uh, Akias uh, Hugh. And that. So it's Hugh. <laughs> Hugh's here. He's my friend. We're doing so, a Spanish film. Yeah. Oh, you've had a stroke, one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just one of those really convenient strokes where the person ends up yeah. speaking a foreign language. Yeah, and can draw like the Manhattan skyline from, from his memory or something. But you can't taste celery now. <laughs> it happens. Um, you know, I used to read Forty and Times. It happens. So, so what did you actually did you actually say our little introduction thing? No, no, I, I I just said hello, welcome what to. You you. And funnily enough, yeah. So I, I had to translate. Please watch this, and it's por favor, please. Yeah. Miren esto, uh, watch this. But I've always had this problem in Spanish because uh, there's no real word for like watching something like the telly. So if you translate like mirar, it's to look at. So please look at this. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's fine. Yeah. It works for me. Yeah. Let's change. Let's change that to English. You know, so we can get across our demographic. <laughs> well, this is, I was. You know, this Make is easier a, for our Spanish native speakers. We're looking at a fairly low budget. Film, so I thought, if I, oh, maybe I'll reach out to the uh, the director who has gone on to to uh, direct bigger budget films. But I thought, if we mm. can just if we can do it in Spanish and maybe for a week change our Twitter bio to Spanish, <laughs> maybe it'll be more likely to join us. But I never got the courage to do any of that. So it's just <laughs> two blokes from West Yorkshire, I'm afraid, listener. Yeah, come all off. As then we catch up on it. Por favor, ah, much. <laughs> So yeah, welcome to again to what boomers say. Um, this is a film podcast, and we are talking about a film. We, yeah, so you know, following on from uh, you know classic Temple of Doom, we're we're going with a slightly harder to find film here, uh, the sort of film that film students talk you would about. Have seen, yeah, uh, but you know, it's the sort of film that you sort of you might watch. 2am on Channel 4 and think it's the only you're the only person who's ever seen it before this film it's got that, that great quality and I got I felt like that because I watched it on Love Film about 10 years ago before I mean Netflix was a thing but before really Netflix was a thing in the UK um, and it really did just feel like yeah this film that no one else has seen before so here so we are to the, talk about so it so what's the actual name of the film just because you did say it in Spanish, but if you want to say it in It's Time Crimes. <laughs> time Crimes. Which is a fucking awful title in English. <laughs> it sounds it like something Sylvester Stallone was in, would have been in in 1995. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in Spanish it's a yeah. Los Crono Crimines, which, you know, doesn't sound hackneyed or anything like that. Could they not have called it Chrono Crimes? Chrono Crimes. Uh, maybe, yeah, 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 they could have done that sounds better, doesn't it? And you, you know, you'd have to be a bit of an idiot not to know what that means. <laughs> yeah, a Even little in bit. English, time crimes. That was somewhat to do with time travel, but 
Yes, so so Sam, tell me what you what do you like about this film? Why, well, I tell you what, why did I watch I'll it? I'll give a little I'll give a little plot synopsis first of all. Eh? Just Go on, to, then. I, would, I would say Plots you know it, it is certainly a film that can be spoiled. It's not. It, I've only done sixty four of these. <laughs> it's not quite as complicated as Prime of this one, but it is a film that can be spoiled. Uh, and it's I'll try and keep it brief. With the synopsis, it's a sort of middle aged man. He's out in the northern Spain, out in the wilderness. He sees uh, he's he's got some binoculars in the background. Well, he's at his little villa, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, not quite in the wilderness, but he's near the woods. And uh, yeah. he sees a beautiful lady undressing in the woods, and so he decides to check it out. He thinks maybe there's something untoward going on. Accidentally, <laughs> as you do, sends himself back in time about an hour, and then has to spend the rest of the film making his past self do those things so that he gets in the time machine so that he as he is exists but he's kind of competing with his past and future self to uh, to not die I guess <laughs> it's a very twisty turny yeah. film in that sense it's very twisty turny it is it is indeed um, yeah there's, there's like the first maybe half an hour there's like a malevolent figure with bandages and a big coat on and that's kind of chasing after him and that he's running away from that person yeah, so. yeah exactly there, uh, there, there is a this conflict and tension and intrigue um, I'll get into why I like it then uh, like I said before I think one of the one of the key things is it just feels like the sort of film that you would you would watch on Channel 4 and think you're the only person in the world that had seen it and so it, for, for the 10 years since I saw it if anybody wanted a recommendation in one of several things you know a non-English speaking film a time film or a kind of just a weird kooky film that probably not a lot of people have seen this would be quite up high on my list to to recommend um, and I think what I really like is that for a time travel film it follows its own rules you know as far as I could see it kind of sticks to its own rules and we watched uh, a time travel sort of film recently in, in Tenet um, and one of the kind of underlying points there was that what's happened has happened you know uh, and this film does that really well and, and and as soon as you know that that's basically always the rule in time travel films it can get a bit tiresome because you're like well I know what's going to happen then because it's already happened and yet this film still manages to keep that fresh and unpredictable right um, cool and I, and I like that it doesn't hold your hand too much throughout it so for example again this we are spoilerific so please if you haven't seen this film um, go watch it first there, there are parts where he has to sort of sacrifice somebody else's life or he has to manipulate other people and you think but why, why bother doing that you know what, what are you doing that for and then you realise oh he has to do that in order for past him to go or in some ways future him to go back into the machine to become him because if that does, if they don't do that he probably stops existing even if there's another version or two of him out there but he doesn't keep reiterating that motivation it's just it, it said once early on in the film, so therefore you you keep up with it really. Um, mm. And I do think, as you said, there's the bandaged man. So massive spoiler alert here, but it's not the final spoiler. I think a lesser director would have saved the revelation that he was the bandaged man to be like the final revelation, and that would have been the big twist. But I think like the last act of the film. Sort of yeah, thing. yeah, exactly, and. And I'd, obviously, I'd seen this film before, and it was ten years ago, and I th- I think I remembered that aspect of it, but so that was in the back of my mind. And I'm, I'll ask you when it comes to your review if you already figured out he was the bandage man well before that happened. But I think it's quite possible that somebody could have predicted that would happen 
in which case the film would have hinged on an unconvincing twist and instead you get that twist I don't know, a third or a half of the way through the film so that you can get further revelations and further twists um, which again we'll get into I think in, in Hugh's uh, in Hugh's review it's really creeping, mm. it's really darkly comic and it's 90 minutes, it's just a really fascinating, clever affecting little number uh, that was a you know a first feature film for a pretty exciting director and, and that's really yeah. all I want to cover because I really want to get into our, our discussion and, and really find out what what Hugh thought. The only thing I'm, yeah. I think that you might not... I mean, I am a bit torn. I'm, I'm really kind of, like, eager to find out what you think because cause it's, I think on some days I feel like you could love this film. I think on other days I think you could hate this film. I think it all depends on did it stand up for you? Were there problems? Were there loopholes? Were there... Not loopholes. Were there plot holes? Um, logical flaws? And, and, you know, to what extent did it work? I don't think watching a foreign subtitled film is a problem for you so I don't think that was an issue I do think yeah. you probably liked it but I'm not invested in that <laughs> fair enough alright so we'll take a, a little break now uh, so we are fully on the edge of our seat about to find out what Hugh thinks about this just film before, just before we find out my opinion do you think I liked this film uh, if I had to put money on it I'd say we used to do this, and we stopped, we kind of stopped doing it, didn't we? Yeah, I sort realize. of went in a roundabout way. I, I think if no, I had to say yes or no, I'd say yes. I had to put you uh, right. And I think if I had to, if I had to predict your rating, I don't think you'll put above a seven. But I'm I'm willing to be pleasantly surprised. So let's uh, let's find out. Okay, then. we'll take a brief yeah. break and uh, join us after the break for Hugh's views. Welcome back to Please Watch This. So after my garbled, rushed response, here we are. Tension is high. Hugh, what did you like about Los Cronos Crimenes? <laughs> I like it. Um, so what did I like about this film? Uh, do you know something I really kind of like about, I suppose we could call European cinema, <laughs> you know, black and white people smoking and all that, <laughs> is, um, is there's a, there's like a, there's a, grittiness to it isn't there there's like an earthliness there's a there's a um, down to earth sort of sensibility I think I know what you mean by that yeah. in, in yeah. like a dark dark humour kind of way or a... more in just that the budget kind of they're restricted so much that it doesn't it doesn't feel unreal mm. if that makes sense right, right. it feels very grounded and it feels very um, lifelike you know it's like like little things like the fact that the car that he drives um, and that he crashes at the, at the first bit's like a like a little old school Renault Clio <laughs> yeah. or something. Even though the film's you only know, it's it's just, less than fifteen years old, it looks straight. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it? He's got yeah, he's got a car that's like fifteen years old yeah. then, <laughs> or like ten year ten year yeah like yeah like yeah probably about fifteen years old. So it's just little things like that, and it's it's just those little touches that you get that you don't get when when films are made for Hollywood those little little touches kind of lose out mm. because they don't take what's available that makes the world feel lived in yeah this film was um, actually uh, originally there was going to be a US remake at one point I think Tom Cruise was said to be attached to it and uh, Cronenberg actually was originally going to be the one to direct it as far as I can find out I don't think it was ever remade 
in the US, but uh, yeah, it would have been maybe slicker, do you think, mm. and a little bit... Yeah, you would have... Like, it's something that I would say it's a film we're going to watch at some point, but with Vanilla Sky, somewhat similar with the Spanish original of that, it's kind of the same feeling. Right. Where the, it's, it might just be like a set dressing or... Yeah, there's just something... Like, like I said, the actor they get to play... Like um, Hector, he's quite—he's not, a, you know, he's not a particularly handsome good man, is he? He's just quite, quite normal middle-aged man. You know, you won't, you won't notice him walking down the street. But like you said, if you get you Americanize it or Hollywood, Hollywood a fight, it turns. You know, like you said, it's Tom Cruise. Or yeah. it's. Um, I did hear that. I, uh, I heard another reviewer refer to him as the Spanish Philip Seymour Hoffman, who does play kind of scumbags quite a lot. Or these—he's not necessarily a scumbag. He's just a bit slightly sleazy normal sort of blokey sort of guy isn't he who as you say is not a Hollywood actor type you know Hollywood star type yeah but yeah I don't know who you'd get to play in the if they were to do it now but it'd probably be somebody like Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> or something, you know? yeah uh, so so what did I like I'll tell you what I liked about this film um, I liked the the real twist in this film so the actual spoiler alert in this which I don't know if it's actually a spoiler because the film tells you there's a crime that happens because somebody goes back in time. And there is a crime that is committed in this film. It's just not kind of the one you think it is, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I liked that they kind of misdirect you thinking that the woman who fell off the roof was Clara and it turned out it wasn't. Um, exactly. Which is a really well done twist because it sticks to its rules, doesn't it? it, it rather than him trying to change anything, he realises what he's already done in the future. Yeah, and he eats. Yeah. Um, and the figure of him with the bandages and the big oh. coat, it's, 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 all, it's instant classic sort of horror film yeah. vibe, isn't it? I've got to say that, like that, that the bit when he looks through the window oh. and his eyes is bulge, that's quite scary. Genuine, that bit. I, genuine, I was, yeah. Something I wanted to ask you: Do you think this film is a horror film, or do you think it's a time sci-fi film? I, I think it's like a probably sci-fi thriller with those horror elements. Yeah, I think for right. it, yeah, not a horror film, but you're right. It, it's a horror character with a couple of really good. Sort of creepy jump scares when he turns around and he's got like he's got his fingers as binoculars. That's a really good, yeah. a really good jump scare, like yeah. creep out moment. And then it's but then they they do they undercut it later when he's doing it. <laughs> yeah. and he thinks he's going to do it, and then he's like, oh, he's not there. Well, so, oh, he's not there. Yeah. <laughs> Third time's the charm. It was Nacho uh, Vitalondo's. Uh, I've got I've got a Vigalondo. Sorry, um, first non-comedy film he'd done a lot of shorts right. before that. They were comedies, and right, but it was still really funny in those moments, wasn't it? Yeah, that was quite that was quite amusing. I did I did like that, um, and the film's got great tension. I think the bit where he believes he's being chased by him up the, yeah, the garden yeah. path that bit's good. That is, and you're listening to this like anonymous voice, and you're like, "What is that? Is he going to someone who's helping him?" You know, at that point, you don't really know that that character's a good character, so you're sort of like, "What's going to happen when he gets to this silo? What's in the silo?" And then, obviously. The guy is clearly doing something dodgy at that point, and he's like, well, "Why is he not dying?" And he tries to get out, but he can't get out because it's come down too far. Um, and then I've already mentioned about it feeling very grounded, uh, which I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And then, so apparently, after watching this, and I think it holds true, is this film holds up very well to the grandfather paradox. Right. Right. Yeah. 
Have you heard of the grandfather paradox? And the idea that you can't go back and kill your own grandfather because then you'll never exist to go back and kill your own grandfather. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. That's the grandfather paradox, which incidentally quite recently actually was was solved by some mathematicians oh, really that, yeah 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 it was in the news not it's, uh 26th of september i've got here yeah so basically what's happened is somebody's come up with the math that holds up that you if you go back you end up causing the events to which um to which you're trying to not cause so you'll always right like cause your grandfather, you'll never be able to kill him. Yeah, so that exactly. You're not yeah. Born. And, and that is quite a common um, trait. I mean, even in bad um, time travel type things, there's a film called Predestination with Sandra Bullock and Julian McMahon where she um, has a nightmare dream that her husband dies a week from then. And so she spends a whole hmm. week trying to convince people she's seen the future and it's like some creepy things happen. And then. She got spoiler alert for that film, but it's not that good. Um, from from about the same year, actually, if I remember, it's about two thousand seven. It was when I used to work at the cinemas, and um, she goes out to stop him from driving to work. But by doing that, he she distracts him. He gets out of his car to be like, "What are you doing here?" And a truck knocks him over, and so it's like you know. Yeah. And she calls, and you're right. It sticks to that yeah. rule because yeah, he he has to make those in things the end happen. Because in the end of this, he's trying to stop. He what he thinks is his wife falling off the roof and dying, but it turns out that that was never what happened. Exactly, and it happens anyway. But he's but the only thing in this is it's resolved in a mat, in a way that uh, you know it's resolved in a way that he's happy with at least. Yeah, but, you know leaves a bad taste I think in the audience's mouth. Yeah, quite honestly at the end because he's because like he's not necessarily that sympathetic a protagonist anyway. Other than that, he's a he's imperfect and he sort of can relate to him like when he sees her undressing in the woods you're not thinking oh what a sleazeball is he going up there to rape her or something you're just thinking I'd probably keep looking through the binoculars and then if I thought something untoward had happened I would go and investigate you know and, and like, yeah. but then it gets to the point where yeah he does well we got into this whole thing for about 40 minutes in our episode of Arrival at what point does it become you understand what's going to happen so you just uh, you take that inevitability or to what extent is it you realise what you have to do, so you go and do that thing to make it happen. Um, I think this film kind of treats it as he's going to do whatever happened before, and there's no yeah. And it, it, it like you said, it, it, it's wired that way. This film, I think, everything. Yeah, exactly. Because when she starts running away earlier in the film, he, you know, he knows that he's got to get her to lie down naked in order for you know past him to see that and then be stabbed and so on and she runs away so he thinks oh god I can't make that happen and then in her running away actually it leads to her becoming unconscious so he yeah. can actually do it you know that, that inevitability yeah. and I think as well when you're watching the scene when he's chasing her through the house when, when he thinks he's chasing that woman and then she falls off the roof and he thinks it's his wife You when you watch the bit the, for the third time round or the second time round you realise that <laughs> he doesn't know that he could have just left her alone because the reason he's yeah. there is is kind of like it, he doesn't need to be there if that makes sense although actually he does because he's the one who has to tell her to go up to the attic uh, well, so yeah. he does have to actually be there but, and it is and it becomes a you know it's an inevitability so he can't actually he can't have done anything different but he kind of realises and I think it's great acting in that moment because he he gets this weird calm confidence he understands what's going to happen and why, and he understands that he's got to basically sacrifice this poor girl's life in order for him to carry on existing. Yeah, I mean, I jokingly called 
this film, Time Crimes, or uh, The Trouble My Dick Gets Me Into, or something along those lines. Yeah. Because, I mean... This would be like a really weird edition of, you know, What the Window Cleaner Saw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like Confessions of a Window Cleaner. <laughs> yeah, Confessions of a Window Cleaner and time, with time travel. <laughs> oh, gosh, I've just had some horrible thoughts there. Um, Clive James, what are you doing? <laughs> Not Clive James, Sid James. Yeah, Sid James. I was going to say Clive James. Clive James, very different. <laughs> yeah, sat there. God rest him. Sat there, like, talking about it. Well, the man inserted his penis into a vagina. <laughs> But in an Aussie Aussie accent. (laughs) (laughs) Laughs and cockney, but Aussie. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so that's what I did like about the film. Um, And I think, I mean, that guy who's the main character, the actor, he does well, you know what I mean? He's he's compelling enough to watch in it. And I think this, and like you said, a, a plus of this film is it's only an hour and a half, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, it doesn't well, need to be any exactly for a high concept. Mm. I hate high concept films that are like three hours long because you're just like you've got one concept, just play with it. In the you know, Black yeah. Mirror is perfect for that. It's like forty to an hour, yeah. you know, ninety minutes long, really. Yeah. Um, what I didn't like then, Sam, was um, it was rather predictable up until what I call the the, the twist, which was that it wasn't. It wasn't Clara who fell off the roof. It was the other girl. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did. I did think you'd probably have guessed he was the bandage man. Yeah, I think that was kind of obvious. Well, I mean, it's not a hundred percent obvious, but it is one when you're watching it. It's one of those ideas that's when you know it's a time travel film. Those kind of ideas bounce around in your head, anyways, because mm. it's it's not the first time that say somebody from someone's future has been the person who's chasing them or doing something. Well, to that's motivate it. In them. fact, when I was uh, when we were reviewing. Again, I don't want to spoil the film, but to some extent, there's a sort of element, sort of somewhere in the ballpark of that in Tenet. Um, and I, w- I wanted to say, oh, I've seen this before in timey kind of films, and Time Crime was the only film I could think of that was a good example for it, but I didn't want to mention that because I knew we'd be end up watching it. Um, he also does have a very distinct lumbering presence, doesn't he? So the guy in the bandages, mm. you know, if you look closely, it's clearly him anyway. But that, I'm glad uh, that they did yeah. that quite early. Yeah, so I think it was good that there was another twist in the film that you weren't expecting. Yeah. And Same then, with Upgrade, I suppose. The first twist is predictable, therefore the yeah. second one is less predictable. Yes, yeah, that's a fair point, yeah. Um, I think the one thing I would say was there wasn't that many memorable lines in it. No, there really wasn't. It's not It's not a dialogue-heavy film, to be fair, uh, but mm. there was nothing that popped out... Uh, for me personally, in that yeah. in that regards, um, I wonder if that's hindered by the fact that we're reading the lines. No, in some I don't form. think so. Cause... Because, I mean, just to look at them on the page, there's not that many lines that look that that, that memorable. You know, I mean, sometimes a line is memorable more for the way it's spoken rather than. I don't know, so I don't think that really holds up to what because you can read a, a Shakespeare play and remember some of the lines of dialogue. Yeah, true. In that, yeah, that's you? fair. You know. I mean, to be fair, I think um, the Nacho, the director, would would take it's not as good as Shakespeare. I think he'd accept that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I just it's not a film that's going to stick long in my memory, though. I'm afraid. Mm. Maybe mm. maybe the image of the like the bandage man in the, the in the long trench coat that's a great image. I must admit, but. 
I don't know, it just wasn't that memorable for me. And I must admit, I got to about the hour mark and I, I did kind of go, oh, there's an hour, half an hour left of this. <laughs> really? Correct. Yeah, which thankfully, yeah. I must admit, the last half an hour is probably the better part of this film. You're right, yeah. Because you do get to the point where, you know, it becomes, like you said, a morally ambiguous piece about what will somebody mm. do to, who will be, you know, this man will clearly sacrifice somebody else to save his wife's life. You know, yeah, there's no, there's no like, <laughs> demonstrably. Yeah, there's no, and he's, you know, and you can see that he feels bad about it. Um, yeah, which is weird because as soon as he put his wife into the shed, I don't know why he sent her up there, to be honest. I think they could have done something different, but because it follows the grandfather paradox thing very well. It has to, he, yeah. Yeah, he, I think he feels like he has to at that point because then, yeah. well, I suppose if he doesn't, then he doesn't get sent back to save us so and therefore he he ceases to exist yeah. and it's a really interesting one it reminded me of um i don't know that i think it's called like the teleportation paradox or something like that i first read about it in this book that first got me into psychology and it's basically there's a teleporter that takes you to mars what it does is it breaks down all the atoms of your body here well it replicates them there and then destroys the initial one um and the guy had done it 13 times and the 14th time he did it his copy landed in Mars, but the machines didn't work to then destroy him. And there's two versions of him. There's him here and there's him in Mars. Mm-hmm. And you and you realise in that moment, oh my God, he's probably died all those 13 other times. And the copy of him existed every time. So he really has only been alive, you know, a few weeks since he was created on Mars that time. Yeah. Does that um, make sense? And, yeah. and they say legally that he has to be killed because the copy is the, now the real version and he's gone through a different experience so they are now different people and you go oh shit yeah if they ever do come up with a teleportation device that works on those similar grounds I don't know if I'd get in it because your conscious experience might die forever maybe I mean sorry what's this got to do with this film so um, it, it's a case of like he will cease to exist if she doesn't die yeah but the old version of him will still carry on. He just won't go into the time machine. And obviously we've covered that the paradox means that it's inevitable that he will become him. Yeah. But if he but if he stops his past self becoming who he is, he'll cease to be. And that's more important to him yeah. than a young girl's life. And the fact that there is another version of him that exists well, that was I think him just like an hour ago. It is kind of demo- demonstrated, isn't it? That he was like, oh, I'm going to go home and tell the police. And it's like, well, you know, look over there, you are home. So try, you know, try <laughs> yeah. explaining that. And yeah, so I think the film does kind of set that up for then later when he's not changing what happens. He's like, this needs to happen in order yeah. for my wife to be not dead. Um, exactly. Which is, it's dark, man. I'm not going to lie. It is a dark really end to dark. the film. Um, and I like how he just sort of goes, uh, he like, you know, he's he's basically almost dead in that van, and he just calls him and says, "Yeah, fuck it, <laughs> it didn't work. Um, you're gonna ha- you're gonna have to. We're just gonna have to do something else." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really tried. Back the wrong course or whatever he says. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, now I do have one big issue with this film. Oh dear, I do. I'm afraid. I well, I say it's a big issue. You hate the Spanish. <laughs> Impossible. I, I put you off it. <laughs> uh, 
No, it's... I kind of find it a little hard to believe that he didn't recognise his wife when she fell off the roof. Now, before you jump in and go, oh, but she's in this twisted, horrible pose and it's her and it's her jacket on and she's got the short hair mm. and it flashes up on the screen and you can't... Like, from our point as the viewer, when it looks down, you can't really tell that it's not her. And so you could probably explain it away with that. At the same mm. time... I'm not I'm not a hundred percent convinced and I did struggle to suspend my disbelief at that point when I found out. Because it shows the mm. trainers and you see that it's the trainers of the girl if you notice. So um yeah, I, st- I He probably wasn't looking at the trainers. No, but... <laughs> he's probably looking at the fact that she was somehow looking back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a horrific dummy that, horrific that they used, wasn't it? Yeah. Ugh. Oh dear. But I I'm not. I'm not overly convinced that he wouldn't recognise that it's not his wife. Mm. He might be confused I, I think by why me, she's got me, short I'm... hair. Because obviously yeah, she I had mean, long hair I'm, last I'm time. I'm convinced saw by by the by the reasons you said. You know, she's wearing a big coat that's kind of shapeless. Well, it's, 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 it's literally his wife's coat, isn't it? And yeah, exactly. Well, it, yeah, that. exactly. And, uh, and you know, she... from it's dark. It's from a distance. He's obviously <laughs> upset. Well, it's dark and from a distance. He's not going to think. Oh. Yeah, because he's on top of the roof, isn't he? So yeah, but he would notice. He would still have recognised his wife over a woman a, a good fifteen to twenty years younger than her. But how much of her does he get to see? Like you say, it's a it's a big. I mean, you, and, uh, it's so. a good enough film all round that I'm letting it off. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it did. It it. I only really questioned it, sort of, when I realised what was about to happen. I was like, oh, that's a bit. Mm. <laughs> that's the no, that's my not so much noise, but yeah, yeah. that's I say it if, not to worry. that's probably the biggest the biggest issue with this film is that he doesn't recognise his own wife. Yeah, but I think you've you've given some mitigating factors there that suggest. I, well, that I'm being be kind to it. <laughs> I think if it was, uh, let's get into uh, some specifical things then. Specifical is a word, of course. Um, specifically, what what would you say would be your favourite scene in this film? Um, I like. The bit when he finds out he's gone back in time and he's just sat kind of on the hillside with the binoculars mm. looking back at them and he kind of just falls to his knees as if to go, what? <laughs> you know, he's having like a real existential crisis. It's like, <laughs> yeah. am I even real anymore? What's happened? How is? How have I gone back in time? And yeah, I quite, I quite liked that. I like, um, yeah, that was my favourite scene. That is good. And a good bit of dialogue between him and the scientist. Do you know who plays the scientist, by the way? That's the director, isn't it? That's the right director, yeah. yeah. Um, for me, I think favourite scene is sort of basically the ending, um, and in particular when he's sitting on the lawn with Clara. Um, I, I, so, well, I suppose everywhere from when he first realises what he's got to do and he's cutting the girl's hair to then, which you could argue is more than a scene, but it's basically the same scene, isn't it? Yeah, well, like, if, yeah. If, you do, if you want it to be, it can be. <laughs> well, no, the rules there's no hard and fast rules here. <laughs> because as we said, you know, that... It, it does become it becomes a, another surprise. It really changes the tone of the film, and I think it's just a fantastic performance of because because I, I sort of watched it thinking, "What this girl has only just met him? Like she hasn't gone through all these uh, time loops with him. Why would she first of all go in the house with him? Other than the fact that obviously he's is a mess um, and follow these instructions that he's given. But I think it's just this calm, confident um, manner that somebody needs in a time of potential threat that uh, that convinces us to go along with it and I think it's just a great performance for that reason mm. I mean I did enjoy like you know 
un, you know, what's it, uh, unintentional boobs. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, boobs, great. <laughs> I'm in. It's only seven minutes in. Yeah. Seven minutes and 11 seconds in. <laughs> <laughs> Time goes in the description at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was my favourite scene, the boobs. Um, favourite line then, like you say, there, there actually aren't that many standout, standalone, memorable ones, but which did you, what did you no, And I mean, and IMDb is not replete with them because it's in Spanish. presumably most of the good ones are in the Spanish IMDb. Yeah, um, mm, yeah this is it, isn't it? Because there's so few memorable lines. Um, I just went with, and I think you've probably gone for the same one, I just went at the end where he just says, oh, you know, we still have time before it starts raining. Yeah. Yeah, I went for exactly the same one. Because it's the only one with a bit of subtext, <laughs> really. Yeah, and it and it's and it and it sort of uh, supports that idea that it's just this really confident, calm um performance throws away the, the the scissors. I mean I like a lot of the interplay between the scientists and him and um uh but the, the specific lines it's quite difficult. But um, in terms of when you said uh it was quite tense when he was telling him, you know, to come up to the I think he called it a silo, come mm. up to the lab. Um, a couple of lines there which were very spooky, which are things like, he's seen the path, or, you know, he's uh, he's found the window. Yeah. Like, they're not that great standalone lines, but for the effect they have... Oh, yeah, in really the moment, really they're really very yeah. affecting. Yeah, yeah, that's fair yeah. enough. Um, really, it's like a, the killers, the call is coming from the house, you know, it's one of those, like, yeah. quite concise lines for that. Yeah, no, it's like, I can see that. Um and again, I, I, to go to labour the point a little bit, but I do like the twist in this, that he's not the first version mm. of himself yeah. to come through this. Um, it does have vibes of process. Primer there, doesn't it? And it's yeah. really not that long after Primer. Uh, no, I would, I, 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 it'd be interesting. When did Primer come out again? Was it 04 or 06? I think it was 04. I'll tell you. So it's only a couple of years second, after, two or three years I after. I literally tell you. I think it was 04, but it could have been 06. Could have been 1993. I really am not 100% <laughs> certain on any of this. Oh, this is riveting stuff, by the way. Yeah, no, um, I usually have it. It's usually all written listen, down. Why don't you, why don't, why not try out our new brand, new line of t-shirts? Uh, por favor, miren esto. Uh, available <laughs> wish, now. Wish we did. Have. In La Ciudad de uh, Mexico. Two, yeah, 2004. Sorry. 2004, I'm yeah. Past. So really not long after, you could see, you could see... Um, Nacho Vigalando watching Primer and going. I mean, in fact, he said that it took five years actually from from the first idea to to it being released. Five years, um, so from about two thousand two, he was sort of thinking about it and writing it and rewriting it and, and working on it. Mm. And they had a bit of a problem on set, and there was storms which kind of destroyed the set and so on. Uh, so it was made for a pretty small budget, but you know, much bigger than Primer's budget. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you've probably earned more in the last. Just- Six weeks and the budget <laughs> you know. I think this film lost money. This is why there's no justice in the world. This cost, this cost about two million, but only got about half a million, um, not including sort of DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff, which is just... Yeah, I mean, I mean, the fact that the guy who made it has gone on to make other films, mm. I think that always says a lot about its value of this. Yeah, true. Um, true. Who did the film, was it 2016's Colossal? Have you seen it? Yeah, and Hathaway. No, I've not. I uh, and uh, and uh, Elijah Wood and Sasha Grey film uh, Open Windows. I've <laughs> seen that, but I've seen Colossal. Colossal's all right. It's um, right. No, yeah, it's, it's, seen it, right? yeah, it's different. It's um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting film because it's just about a woman who's kind of a bit. She's on the downward trend, if that makes sense. Her life's not gone as well as she would like, and she's um, 
gone back home after like something's I think, she, I think she breaks up with something I can't remember the specifics but then it takes this really left le- this really strange left turn that she ends up being like this monster on the other side of the world that's like destroying like cities in Korea right I did hear somebody describe it it, it, it sounds fascinating yeah it's it's interesting and then but the film's really about she goes home to this her, her hometown she goes to this bar and she meets an old friend of hers um, who works there and then they become friends and like they start hanging out and drinking together and at first he seems like a really supportive character and he's like trying to help her get through like her coming home and everything and her life being a bit shit and then he starts becoming controlling and he's got like a drink he had like a drink problem I think if memory serves me correct and he starts drinking again because of her and when he starts drinking he starts becoming an arsehole and it's more about her kind of dealing with her demons and you know the the (laughs) quite literally yeah the monster in Korea is literally her dealing with her demons physically I think I will check it out because you know I've yeah. seen one film by the director and, and it's, a, it's, it's a real hit for me it's, I wouldn't yeah. say it's yeah. amazing but I wouldn't say it's 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 definitely like interesting when cinema does something different you know and it's definitely exactly. a different idea rather this than another another remake now we're going to go for another break and um, afterwards I'm going to ask Hugh to quantify his enjoyment of this film so join us after the break Welcome back again to please watch this slash board for voice etc. Um, right, Hugh, uh, would you like the critics oh, or should we get your? Please, please have this existential crisis. I don't know how to do that in Spanish. I'm afraid. Um, let's do. In fact, I, I think I, that's the last I, one. I was going to actually, but let's let's yeah. <laughs> Complete Duolingo. Now, now, no, on we in Spanish. So, go Hugh, on. if I was to ask you, what what uh, Metacritic? percentage score do you think this film got what would be your response to that that's what I want to know Metacritic I'll say it's 7.4 remember it's a percentage every week 74% (laughs) (laughs) took a while to convert not far off you're pretty good generally yeah 68% oh that's lower than expected yeah yeah not not that great actually um yeah, there was a couple of negative reviews on there, but they're all, when you click on them, page not found, and I found it hard to actually track down the actual negative reviews. So I've gone for someone we know and love in Roger Ebert. And he has a review that is, as is often the case with his review, just an enjoyment to read. He kind of, it's very meta and timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, and it's it's really good. So I won't read out his entire review, but I would recommend listeners. I'll, I'll put a link on the social, social media as well if you like this film. You'll like his review. How many stars do you think he'd give it, Hugh? Out of four? I think he gave it three. Correct. Yeah, three. So like a flawed, very good film. Um, yeah, so he says lots of great things, and he says uh, these problems, there's more context, but read the review. These mm. problems are dealt with in time crimes in a thrilling scenario involving possible death by falling off of a roof after getting up there in an unorthodox way and trying to save the life of a woman. One of them loves maybe two, maybe all three. Mm. This is all done in an ingenious and entertaining way. As you might imagine, time crimes is not a character study. Hector doesn't have the time for that. Ha ha. In a time travel saga, by the way, it is considered bad form to wonder what makes somebody tick. 
If after watching Time Crimes you have the strangest feeling that you've seen some of these problems explored before, you are A, merely experiencing deja vu, which is the low-cost and safe alternative to time travel, or B, remembering Shane Carruth's splendid primer, which, if it didn't drive you nuts, Time Crimes will, or has, or vice versa. Um, and the, the review's a lot of that. It's a lot of uh, will, or, will, or, will or has, or vice versa. Um so he liked it, and as I said, it was it's, it was hard to look at an English language uh, negative review. But there there are those out there. They they say it's basically not as clever as it thinks it is, and it's uh, mildly entertaining at best. Um, but Hugh, the most important critic in our lives is you. Um, so how many literally perfect boobs out of ten would you give this film? <laughs> um. I'd give yeah seven, probably six or seven. Yeah. I can't, can't quite decide if it's it's not an eight because it's just not memorable enough to be an eight for me. It, it's um I think an eight because it it's in a pool of really cherished <laughs> yeah true. It's in a pool of really cherished just odd films that I like to recommend to people. I mean, could you see yourself mm. recommending this to to somebody in the future? Is my next question. Oh yeah, it's it's recommendable. Yeah, I think they'd have to be. I think it's more. I think it's more horror than sci-fi, though. Yes. Personally. Yeah. Definitely. I think, I think that's fair. Maybe thriller. No, I think so. I think it's. I think it's got a lot of horror elements to it because mm. I think the way that he kind of lumbers around is very reminiscent of like a sort of a Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, that's um, fair. That's fair. You know, and the scissors. Halloween they're very. Character. The scissors are very visceral murder weapon. Reminded me of those actually. Yeah. 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 Big part of it though. Uh, I, yeah, I wonder because so, with those a lot of it was symbolism of the two sides of us of the scissors. I wonder if mm. there's anything to do with that here, or if it's just that's the sort of weapon that a young lady might be carrying around with her. I don't know. It's yeah. a good question. Yeah. Um, One will never know the answer to. Uh, so, Hugh, are you yeah. ready to be tested quizzically? Uh, yeah, let's get quizzical. It was very difficult to come up with questions. I think you'll uh, <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, yeah. uh, one of them you've already mentioned, so I know you got it right, but I'll ask it anyway. Okay. Uh, question number one: What's Hector's um, companion named? His wife or girlfriend type person? Oh, that, yeah, it's Clara, isn't it? Clara, yeah. Which is odd. I, I was surprised that Clara is a name in Spanish because Claro means like for sure or whatever. Anyway, um, what colour car is Hector driving when he's shoved by the van when he gets the bandages uh, put on him? Oh, um, oh, I don't know. I can't remember. What colour's the car? The little Renault, or yeah, I think it's the Renault the little yeah. car, the little one, yeah, the one that he gets his face banged up in. It blue, white, mm, yeah. a white car. I'll take your word for it. But I'm even questioning know. myself now because he's car. got. Anyway, yeah, it's the white car. <laughs> white I, car. Do you know what? The, the, I know that is it. The van, the van he gets in. The 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 four by four or whatever that's red isn't it? Yeah, that's like yeah, it's a sort of ready in my memory anyway. It's like a burgundy reddy brown thing, but then yeah. I'm pretty colour blind, so it's a red kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what colour trousers is the girl wearing? This is this is the barrel of being scraped for questions. <laughs> what colour trousers is she wearing? They're red, aren't they? They're red. Yeah, blood red. They are. Um, number four. I don't know the wording for this, but I'll call them battery cells. How many battery cells are there before the scientist hides one? I think there's six. From my estimation, there were four. There were four. Mm-hmm. And last one, uh, again, just another clothes one. What's the image on the girl's T-shirt? 
Oh, it's two cats. Yeah. One of them's upside down and a mirror image of the other one, which is meant to be Schrodinger's cat. Fantastic. Is that reading Apparently. the IMDb or is that... It uh, is reading the IMDb. You've got to stop yeah. reading the IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> That's I probably wouldn't have got it either, actually, if I hadn't read the uh, IMDb. Yeah. So. yeah, well, yeah, very yeah. difficult one to, to, to quiz there. Something you got to do with negative, negative space, isn't it, I think? Some sort of stuff. We were, listen to yeah. our primer episode, everybody. We, we, this is why this is <laughs> vaguely lethargic review that we're not really getting into the time we stuff because we did that for about two hours with primer. Yeah, and I'm still not entirely sure if I got that. I'm not confident so. if I know the difference between you know, Harry we don't, we don't and three. <laughs> we don't have a physicist on hand to no, discuss it. Not with this either, time. So, so yeah, yeah, you have to take our word for it that uh, we know what we're talking what about. Does, actually, that's a good question. Have, what does Baxter think of this film? I don't know if Baxter's this... seen it, but Ben certainly has. And in fact, yeah. um, ben, I asked him if he'd be to you well this is it, it's exactly the sort of film it's exactly the sort of film he would have recommended to me but he didn't it is. Um, although when he listens to this he might think yeah I bloody did I'm pretty sure he didn't I'm pretty sure it's when I had love <laughs> film living in Camden right. I'm pretty sure uh, but I did ask him if he wanted to come on because I was pretty sure he recommended exactly. it until I thought actually I don't think he did uh, but he's not very well this week so um, we'll let him off oh, for a week well, hope he gets well soon well I don't he let us down um, <laughs> so cute. The, the final qu- well, there's, there's two questions really that remain uh, the first question is yeah. what the heck are we going to do next week well Sam Please you know I always like a good like a good theme on uh, our show um, so I thought with it being October um, it seemed like the perfect time to watch the film The Hunt for Red October because you've not seen it okay, well, barrels have been yeah. scraped all over the shop <laughs> but no absolutely yeah it's it is, it's Gene Hackman is it or is that Crimson Tide yeah. I'm thinking of could be Crimson Tide there's even Tide. in that um, I don't know yes. anything about this is, <laughs> it's exactly the sort of film I wouldn't have seen I suppose yeah. like Training Day uh, it feels like some is Sean Connery in it. Maybe who's in yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, Sean Connery's in yeah. it. Sam Neill and Alec Baldwin. One of the one of the Baldwins. One of them. possibly Stephen, yeah. possibly Billy, possibly possibly yeah, Mike from well, could, uh, Coronation Street. Oh, I think it's Alec. Is it Alec? Alec? Alec Alec's yeah, the most Alec famous Baldwin. one. He's the best one. Yeah, yeah, it's him. He's the one who fixes. The big time Charlie, yeah, <laughs> and he's he's good in this actually. He's, uh, he's fantastic. He's uh, yeah, he's uh, good in uh, this and The Departed are like his two only good roles. <laughs> Everything else I find him a bit. He's good in Glen Gary, Glen Ross. He's uh, good I've in Thirty him. Rock. I've heard that's good. He's brilliant in it. It's his. I think it's his best thing. Um, yeah. So, Unfred, is this uh, is it a submarine or a boat one? Is it a it's war a submarine one? one. Submarine yeah. one. Uh, it's set in the Cold War. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not going to give you too. I'm not going to give too much. No, that, no, fine. It's um, yeah. We're going to watch that because you haven't seen. I, it. I fully expect a, to give it a seven out of ten, good, and it'd be like all right. But yeah, I'm looking forward to being pleasant surprised. Good film. Um, I think it's those one of those kind of films that you'd enjoy watching. Um, and then immediately kind of forget fits, like Master and Commander. Well, there's a few <laughs> of these films that you haven't seen. So yeah. there's like this, yeah. and I know that you haven't seen The Rock either, yeah. which is a bit more outlandish than this film but it's definitely also worth a watch at some point so I think we'll go with this one first given it's October fantastic stuff and then uh, listener you know you'll never guess what kind of film we're going to do two weeks from now ooh Ooh. <laughs> what, one You'll set never in the guess. Arctic? <laughs> Ooh, actually, it is set in the Arctic. <laughs> Very cold, <colourful. laughs> Yeah. Fantastic. So, um, so that, was, that was the first of my two questions. My second question yeah. to you is if they've got any opinions on The Hunt for Red October, or indeed if they've got any recommendations based on the fact they know that I like time crimes, 
I'm all ears, really. Uh, how could they tell us? Well, if you want to recommend films to Sam, either based in Spanish, English, or in a combination thereof, um, what you need to do is you need to get yourself a little time machine that goes back about an hour. And hopefully when you go back, there might be like a computer nearby and you can send us an email. You can email us at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. That was very snappy. It was. I'm, just, well, I'm getting through it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the film. It's short and sweet this week. Yeah. What about you, Sam? If they want to get in touch with us say, on social media, if they want to recommend some films to us, how could they do that? They could get onto the social medias at pleasewatchpod. We are on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Most active on Twitter because it's, be- it's the best one of those three. Um, that would be the best so. way to do it. Yeah. So do, do get in touch. I mean, yeah. if you want to you know, if you want to be on the show, if you've got a voice that want, needs to be heard, we'll you consider know, you. All these, all these mute <laughs> listeners. Yeah, if you've got <laughs> literally don't. dozens of followers, uh, we, we'll listen to you. But, um, <laughs> dozens. But, uh, <laughs> listener, if, if you do listen to this show... You've got 11, you'll... you can fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, dozens. It's got to be 20... Oh. If you've got 23, fuck off. <laughs> so this is what this is how much you are <laughs> um, coming in with your 23 followers <laughs> oh, what sort of 21st century person are you with 23 absolutely. but yeah no get involved Prick. you know raters and that all those things we don't do it for ratings but uh, I mean we do we do yeah. for the ego um, other than that Hugh what do you think about the listener yeah, yeah the, the, I hope they listen again next week they're the wind beneath our, my bloody wings, and I love they them all. They are the wind beneath your wings, you do. All right, then. <laughs> all right, see you all about an hour from before this. <laughs> <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.